Welcome back to Thirsty, the podcast. This summer, we are resurrecting some of our dates of the past, doing our best to not judge ourselves for the disastrous train wrecks. Today, we're bringing back Nate the Great, which I'm taking the liberty to say is one of our sweetest episodes. Originally published on September 27th, 2021, we're talking adorable dates, potential sparks, and why we may never truly know what's going on with another person. Stay tuned to listen to this adorable dating story, then stick around after the episode for a brand new discussion. This is Second Chance Summer from Thirsty the Podcast. Have you ever met someone who thought you were so great, they helped you realize that you had been doing this dating thing completely wrong? Did you also think this person was awesome, but you had to walk away? This is Thirsty the Podcast, Nate the Great. everyone. So today we're going to talk about Nate the Great. Um, We so often focus on maybe some of our crazier dating experiences, maybe some things that have gone awry or going on dates with the wrong men. Um, But we have a lot of positive stories out there too. Um, I've had a lot of really nice, friendly first dates um, that just weren't a good fit. Heather, I feel like you've had a lot of those first dates as well that are perfectly nice and friendly. Um, but those stories tend to be just not as much fun to talk about. Um, we like to talk about the wild ones. But there is one guy who has stuck with me, um, even though we didn't make it past two dates. It was a really simple two dates, really friendly, really nice. Um, and I still think about him for a while. We still talked. And I don't know, it's just a really positive, good one that I thought I would share. Um, So I met Nate after um, the whole Disaster David situation. If you have not listened to episode two about David the Disaster. Such a disaster. um, I I highly recommend going back to that one. Um, So you'll know what um, mind state I was in when I met Nate. Um, I wasn't feeling so great about myself at that time. I had just gotten through this whole disaster dating situation. Um... And two days after that second date with David, I matched with Nate on Tinder, and we started messaging a ton. It was a Sunday morning, and it was just rapid-fire messaging, really good questions, really interactive, really fun. Um, And so we decided to meet up later that day for coffee. And, you know, the same day match and meet thing isn't really my speed. I usually like to get to know someone a little bit more before I hop into an in-person date, But I was really enjoying talking to Nate um, over text, and I really wanted to see what he was like in person. I also broke a lot of my own rules. I didn't know what he was like in real life. I didn't know his real name. I kind of went in blind and old-fashioned on this one, which I usually don't do. But I had a good feeling about Nate, and it was a coffee date, so it was super simple and easy and, you know, pretty low-risk situation on a Sunday afternoon. I do want to pop in here because I remember at this time because this was yeah as as Laura mentioned right after David the disaster Mm -hmm. and we were on a text chain myself and Laura and then another friend that we have that we talk about our dates a lot and I remember you were just not in a good place because the David thing was really it really was a disaster like that is not wrongly named that episode is correct he was just such a not great guy not nice to you and of course our other friend and myself were like you know towards David and so we were really like cheering for you to meet a nice guy that was worthy of you and was gonna be great and that you were gonna be really into and and that would make you happy so I remember we were like pulling 
pulling in the background here. So, so was I. I really wanted this to be a good one. I was kind of nervous about it, but there also wasn't a lot of time to be nervous because there was like such a, like a quick ramp up to um, matching to meeting that I didn't have time to get in my head about it. So um, Nate and I met up at a nearby suburb that was convenient for both of us, um, decided to get coffee and go for a walk. Um, so easy, simple, sweet. Um, I arrived at the coffee shop, got a little anxious, thought I saw him walking up, turned and didn't make eye contact. Like I didn't really, like I wasn't quite ready. I thought he was going to be a dud. I would just assume that he seemed great over text. So in person, he was just going to be a total dud and it was going to be a miserable date. Um, so we met in front of the coffee shop and I have never had such like a physical reaction in a good way to meeting someone. He was super tall. He was dressed nicely. He's really cute in person. He had a Southern accent. Um, I think I physically just swooned, like blushing, weak in the knees, like couldn't couldn't handle it, um, like grinning ear to ear. Uh, so Nate went in and grabbed coffee for us. And then I got out my phone and furiously texted Heather and our other friend to be like, oh my gosh, so cute. Oh my gosh, like just really excited about it. Um, I was glad I had those few minutes to compose myself because... Um, yeah, I was definitely blushing. <laughs> so we sat outside the coffee shop and we chatted and we had a ton to talk about and it was easy conversation and he was just super sweet. And we went for a, a walk and it was just so nice and just easy and it felt really, really good. So uh, we finished our walk, gave each other a hug and we parted ways. We did not discuss hanging out again. We did. It was like we just... Hugged and left and then both realized after that, you know, we probably should have said more or done more or whatever. We just kind of ended the date and left. Um, so I got home and I messaged him my cell phone number via Tinder messaging and hoped he would respond back and say that he liked P2 and had fun and so we could, you know, keep on talking. And he did. And he texted me. And we texted a ton that night. Like, so much texting. So super sweet. He'd been nervous on the date. He was nervous to hug me. He had so many questions that he wanted to ask me. So nervous. He was so nervous. Um, He told me I was cute as a button, which was really just adorable. I've never, never been told that by a date. But it was just so sweet and genuine. And, like, he was just the most, ingen like, genuine, endearing person. Can I pop in? Because one thing I want to say that I know when you were updating us about this guy that you had met and you were texting with, a lot of times on dating app, um, I know you've experienced this, Laura, there are guys that you think are going to be great and then you start talking to them and they start talking about sex like mm -hmm. immediately and you feel, I mean, depending on what you're there for, you know, great. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to actually date someone, like that's like maybe not feeling so great, you know, for someone yeah. to jump right into that. They don't even know you. They probably don't even know your last name at that point. Um, and I remember you talking about texting with this guy and it, it wasn't about that. It was like legitimate wanting to get to know you, wanting to connect to you. And I mm -hmm. think that's why we all kind of we all kind of swooned, too, because that, that yeah. was really neat that he did. I that. mean, it was great. He he was, at one point was just like, I want to know everything there is to know about you. Like, he's like, you're amazing. Like he wanted to know about my hobbies and you know, I sent him pictures of, I have built furniture before, so I sent him pictures of furniture I've built, and I sent him pictures of cake, cakes I've baked, and he's like, you could open a furniture store or a bakery. I'm like, you're so kind. Probably not, but that's so sweet. Like, he just, 
legitimately thought I was great in just the sweetest, nicest way. And I thought he was great too. Like it was just so positive and just like the most innocent, sweetest part of dating compared to what I'd gone through with David, which was the exact opposite of the spectrum. Like this was the most polar opposite situation for me to go from David to Nate and just to go from someone who was crass and unkind and played games to somebody who was genuine, straightforward, and sweet. It was great. Um, But then at one point he said he had a question for me about something I had on my Tinder profile and that he was nervous to ask it. And I was like, oh, like... What, you know, what could he, you know, be wondering about me? Um, I don't really have anything, you know, super questionable on there. Um, But I did have something on there about how I keep, you know, my mom life and my dating life very separate, um, which is kind of how I felt at that time I needed to quote unquote market myself on dating apps. Like, hey, single men, I'm not going to talk about my kids the whole time on the date. This is separate. Like, these are two separate lands. Um. And so he had questions about that. He's like, would you intermingle or how does that look like for you? Or, you know, he just genuinely wanted to know. But he also told me that anyone who was deserving of dating me should know about all of me. And I hadn't thought about it like that. Quite honestly, the words deserving of dating me hadn't really come to my mind because I didn't really feel good about myself at that point in time, which is terrible to say, but it's true. And he was just so sweet. He's like... You're great. And anyone who deserves to date you deserves to know about all of you. Um, it was, again, just no games, straightforward. He liked me. He let me know it. He was very sweet and very kind. So we made plans to have dinner. But I soon learned that Nate worked a lot. Um, he had calls that started at 6 a.m. And sometimes he'd be working till 8 o'clock, 8 or 9 o'clock at night. So our schedules didn't work very well together. But we found a time for a quick dinner He picked me up at my house, which was so sweet for like, you know, old fashioned dating. He came and he picked me up. He came to the door. He opened my car door for me that night. I'd never had anybody do that before. It was just super adorable and sweet. Um, We had a great dinner, um, great conversation. Um, The only thing that made me nervous is that on our date, you know, I'm like, how long have you been dating for, you know, since your divorce? He'd been divorced a few years. And he's like, well... Two hours and whatever minutes or however long we'd been on that date. That's really how long Nate had been dating for. And I was like, oh, you know, that's tough, that's right? hard news to get, actually, because yeah. you know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, somebody fresh. I mean, he wasn't fresh off of a divorce, but he was fresh into dating. Had really, I think, taken a good chunk of time from his divorce. And we never got into our full stories of our divorces. We didn't make it that far. So I don't know what his full story was. But I know that he wasn't sure that he was ever going to date again. That's kind of where he was. Um, so I was a little nervous about what that meant for him. And I was also curious how he ended up on Tinder because Tinder was not the place for Nate. He was too kind and too good. He's going to get eaten alive. He needs an auntie making matches for him. Yeah. Um, so after that dinner, you know, we still texted a lot. Um, but again, our schedules weren't working. I couldn't even get him on like a FaceTime call in the evening because his work schedule was just kind of taking over. And then at one point while we were texting, he revealed that over the past few years, he had gotten very religious and that he read the Bible every single day. Then he asked me over text if I believed in God, which is a really heavy, big question to be asked over a text message with somebody you don't know very well. 
And I'm not particularly religious, so that was kind of a, it was tough territory to navigate at a time when we didn't know each other very well, and those were just big conversations. Um, so at that point, I began to wonder if Nate was someone I should keep on dating, um, even though I really liked him. Um, our religious views were obviously a little bit different, and our schedules were also very different. And I really wanted someone at that point in time who could make space for me. And I just didn't know if he could make space for me based on his schedule and also based on his want or desire to really be dating. And I wasn't really sure if it was a priority for him. So I was pondering this, talked to my therapist, and she told me what she so often tells me is just live in the moment, which I'm not very good at doing. Um, she's like, just live in the now, just let it be what it is. And I'm like, that's good advice. And I don't do that very well. Um, so I, I tried to do that. And then, um, you know, I got a text from Nate that said that he just wasn't in a place to be dating. He thought he was, and he really just wasn't, um, which was fine because he needed to make the best choice for himself. And kind of in, in that text exchange, we agreed to try and be friends. And he, again, told me to never settle because he thought I was so great and I deserved someone so great. Like, just so sweet, so kind. Um yeah, take a minute. Tough. It was tough because we definitely, we connected really well and it was so great. And, you know, we never kissed nothing. It was purely just like two people who really enjoyed each other and got to know one another, you know, pretty quickly in a pretty deep way. Um, and that's what it was. Like we didn't see each other again. We didn't get any more hangouts. Like we, I felt like we needed a couple more dates or I would have liked that. Um, so it was kind of a weird ending for me and that I didn't really get to see what it was like to hang out with him again to see what my feelings maybe truly were. But I'm also really proud of him of taking the step back and not drawing it out further if he wasn't in the place to really, you know, date me in the way that I wanted to date. So um, yeah, I mean, that was Nate. He was super great. Like he lives up to his name. He was a great person and a really great person for me to have dated after coming off of a situation with David where I was feeling pretty crummy and not feeling very great about men. And Nate was a good reminder for me that there are definitely good ones out there. So yeah, I remember, I remember we were all so sad when it didn't work out, but he, he was the perfect person for you to meet, I think after the David situation. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So we have a few things we're going to talk about with this one. I know we're going to talk about staying friends, but one one thing that came to mind, I think, especially while you're talking about, so it seems like maybe this is what we talk about first, is that you said you that Nate made you realize you've been doing this dating thing wrong. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think a few things. Um, Nate really tried to get to know me, and he really saw me, and that's become a really big thing for me. Like, I have kids and they so often just don't see me as more than like someone who's making them their next meal sometimes. <laughs> like, so if I'm in a relationship, I really want the person to see me to really get to know who I am, to get past like superficial small talk. Um, and Nate did that really quickly in just a really genuine, nice way. Um, you know, he dug deep and wanted to know about me and that felt really nice. Um, and before that, I had just, again, been experiencing a lot of superficial kind of BS with who I had been talking to. So 
that made me realize to hold out for that type of relationship um, because it's definitely worth it. Um, he also made me remember to be comfortable sharing things about my kids because, again, that's really hard with dating to navigate of when to bring it up and when not. Um, and he always asked great questions about my kids, was always so interested. And, um, you know, up until recently, we were still texting and they're one of my kids always has funny mishaps, funny stories. And he's always asking <laughs> for updates about her. Like, he's like, give me a new story about, you know, your yeah. youngest. And, you know, he always wants to know things. So, um, it was just very sweet and again, very genuine that, he liked who I was, but he liked the other pieces of my life. And that felt really nice. Um, and finally, I mean, he just helped me value myself more. Um, again, he told me at the end, and I think I said this, he told me never to change and never to settle. Um, I don't like the word settling because I think that's kind of a crappy thing to say dating. Like, oh, don't settle for someone. I don't like that. But I think there are also ways where I can talk myself into relationships that probably aren't right for me. And I think that was just kind of the reminder for me that I need to hold out for something that feels really, really right and not be in a relationship to be in a relationship because that feels nice because in the end, it's not the right place for me to be. So it just was a good reminder for me. And it did help me. Like the next person that I dated after Nate um, started off in the same way with like really good questions, really interested in me, um, just yeah. seemed genuinely interested in getting to know me. And it, you know, it made me want to, to try and date this person a little bit more because I felt like they were trying to get to know me and trying to see me. Um, that ended, didn't end up working out with that person. But again, reminded me that... It is out there, and that's really what I am looking for as somebody who's really trying to get to know all of me. So, um, yeah, again, like, I learned a lot from somebody I went on two dates with and texted with for a few weeks, which is so interesting to me. But I remember, too, I remember doing this. I actually learned a few things from Nate the Great, too, just from you, like, passing on what was going on. Because I, I remember one conversation, you know, because you and I have talked a lot about, like, especially coming off a of divorce, it's impossible not to deal with insecurity and things mm -hmm. like that and wondering like does anybody want me am I ridiculous am I what you know like you're just like so turned around all the time and so it's really easy to fall into this trap of where you're like marketing yourself mm -hmm. in early dating days where you're like oh look how together I am look how cute I am look how capable I am how funny and smart it's real easy to do that and um and I remember we, we talked about that and I remember you had talked because Nate didn't have kids and that's always a mm -hmm. thing. Like, do I, do I bring that? Like, it's always a sense of relief when they have kids. So I'm like, okay, you know, but if they don't, like, it's always like, how much is too much? I don't want to pretend I don't have kids, you know? And I remember he said something to you, like, why would you not talk to me about your kids? I want to know all about you, like the real you. Mm -hmm. I remember you telling us that he said that to you. And I was like, wow, you know, Nate was great. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it like taught me a lesson too. It's like, yeah, why would I date someone that doesn't want to know about all of it? Because then it's just shenanigans, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, we're going on dates. Yeah, it's fun to go to dinner. Yeah, it's fun to make out or whatever, but it's not real, you know? So there, there's a difference there. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah. I mean, I learned something from your dating experience. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nate's great for all. No, I hope, I, like, it just, 
it's just so interesting, those kind of just real exchanges with real people. Like, and I know we kind of bash Tinder a lot, but Tinder is so often so... It works for me. (laughs) It's so often so superficial. So when you do connect with people who are just really real, it's so surprising. Like, I kind of just take a step back from it because you don't expect that. Like, even when I matched with him, I was just like, meh, this guy's asking me so many questions. Where's the catch? Where's this going? When are they going to say something salacious? Like, what's going to happen here? And then yeah. when none of that happened and we agreed to meet up, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be terrible in person because certainly he couldn't be great to be like that interested in me, such great rapport, all of those good things. I'm like, well, this isn't going to work in person. And I'm like, whoa, this is great in person. Like it was probably one of the best dates I've ever had our first date. Like it was perfect from start to finish. And that was such a surprise. But yeah, it just it's so funny how that happens. Now, here's something else that is a little different from when we were dating in our 20s, which when in my 20s, I never, ever did this. I also didn't date much in my 20s, <laughs> but like I used to say, like, if I'm in a relationship with you, we're not, you were my date. You were not my friend. Like, we're not going to be friends if we break up. Like, it's just, we're just done. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. That's a little different now because a lot of times now when you break up, it's not because someone was ridiculous. It's because like, you know what? This just isn't working out. No one did anything wrong, but we shouldn't be together. So then it becomes like, well, maybe we can be friends. I don't know. And so it's like become this thing of like trying to figure that out. Um, so after this, how do you feel about like, do you think it's possible to really stay friends with someone you were like into? Like, do you stay friends with people you dated? I mean, I have a lot of... Facebook friends from people I dated in my 20s because also Facebook was new then. So it was really confusing about like, you just added everybody because that's what you did because you just got in Facebook. Um, so I do have a lot of Facebook friends for people I dated when I was younger, but I don't interact with them and I don't talk to them. So I don't call that really friends. Like that's the balance. Like I've stayed connected with people, but like going to the other side of it of actually like somebody I would talk with on occasion or see or whatever, I have not done that. The last two people I've seriously dated always told me they were never friends with people after they dated. They never stayed connected. And they have both wanted to stay connected with me after I've broken up with them, which I feel like is, again, a good sign, again, of adult breakups, of being mature, of where we're at in our lives and it just not working. So I think that's a good sign. But I'm still like, I don't know how to navigate that because, again, I probably wouldn't continue to keep talking with them. Nate was different. So maybe it's also the balance of how seriously you date somebody. Like Nate and I obviously didn't have, you know, we went on two dates. We didn't have a relationship. We liked each other, but we could have liked each other just as easily as friends. And we did stay connected on text for a while. And we would check in or he would text me randomly like, I was thinking about you. How are you? He would always, you know, say that I hope life is grand, which was always so sweet. Um, (laughs) So we were supposed to get drinks recently, um, which would have been kind of a good like, kind of testing out, could we hang out as friends? And I texted him to meet up and I haven't heard back. I think he just kind of needed to take a step back, which just makes me a little sad. Um, Yeah. But I think... Nate, call Laura. I know, Nate, if you're out there. (laughs) (laughs) But I I think Nate and I could have stayed friends because we didn't cross boundaries where it might get uncomfortable or weird. I don't know. But I think if it's too serious of a relationship, I don't know that I could stay actual, like, see each other type of friends. What about you? I mean... I have all kinds of feelings out because I've tried it a few times and they're all different. 
Like, I've actually become friends with a few of my dates. I even have one that was a full-on relationship, and we talk every day. Wow. We talk every day. Yeah, I had someone I dated for five months. He lived five hours away. We were, like, ridiculous when we were dating. Like, I think we texted each other probably 200 times a day. We called each other. We'd drive to see each other, all that kind of stuff. It was, it was like, kind of a big thing. But in the end, we're like, this is stupid. We need to break up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, he lives five <laughs> hours away. He never had kids. Like, it's just, no, no, uh, no. Um, so we actually talk every day now. Um, and we really are friends. There's no extra there. There's no feelings there. Like, we give each other a hard time about things <laughs> sometimes. Like, once in a while, he'll tell me he's going on a date. And I'm like, oh, she is good as I. <laughs> you know, like that whole thing. Um all of that. Um, I've still got the number one spot. Um, but, you know, that's been fine. But I think what made that work is nobody did anything wrong. We mm-hmm. had a, a pretty healthy relationship. It was authentic. It was real. There were never any games. We never lied to each other. And then also we took like a six month break. We actually tried to be friends a few times after breaking up and be like, nope, not ready. Not ready. Um because there were still feelings there. Mm-hmm. And, like, we knew breaking up was the right thing to do. Like, we knew it. There was no question. We were not compatible. Not really. Like, we had run our course. So we would try. And then, like, we'd make a joke. I'd be like, okay, going back to my silent cave. See you later. You know, and then we'd try again in a couple months. Finally, it took. And so now, like, we talk pretty much every day. But there's nothing there. There's no angst. It's all jokes. It's all friend stuff. And it's fine. It's actually, I'm really thankful that we can be friends. But I don't think that's always the case. Um, I have... I've had two relationships in the last year, and the other person that I dated for four months, that we're going to talk about that in the episode, but that one was a little more, um, he lived here. We were compatible. There was a real connection, but the timing was not there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was painful. There was like a real connection. We really cared about each other, but we also hurt each other a lot. Yeah. You can't be friends after that. You know, it was a dysfunctional relationship. You were there for any minute of that, and you're like, Heather, you got to break this off. Yeah. (laughs) I think you said that like once a week. No, you you two could have never been friends either. You were you couldn't date. You couldn't be friends. Like it was no. done. No, no, yeah. we could not because like I reached out. Like he, you know, well, we broke up a few times, but the last one that stuck, you know, I, we took. We were like, let's take a month and not talk. And I was like, we can be friends because I was stupid. Um, but I reached out to him a month later. It took two days, and we were right back at like oh we're not friends like we're not like it was like we were dating again like like, and it was and like straight up at the beginning it was like I don't want to date like we said that at the beginning and it was just like it had a life of its own and then some things happened (laughs) which I'll get into on the episode and then a month later we were both like this is not we can't it's not working because like we were alternately being real mean to each other. And that's how I know we had feelings for each other because we were so mean to each other and then like trying to be friends. It's like it was two-year-olds in a relationship that were trying to be friends but liked each other. So we pulled each other's hair. It was just so terrible. So we are not friends. If you're, We're going to talk about that later. But this person, if you're listening, I don't hate you. It just didn't work out. We both know that. I care about you very much from afar. It's better that way. But I just think that's how it is. It depends. It depends. It depends how serious it was. If you had a dysfunctional dating relationship, you're going to have a dysfunctional friendship. It's not. And also, if there's feelings there that are real, sorry. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work. Um, but I'm thankful for the other person that he and I are still friends. Yeah. And I think with the the first person you mentioned, like, you took that break. And I think that break helped you because if you're trying to move – 
on and you're still talking to that person and maybe there are still some like left behind feelings or you're reminiscent of something and you haven't met someone else or done whatever you needed to do to kind of get over somebody, then you're just going to keep on going back in that cycle. Like you have to like take a pause, figure out what you want to do. And then when you're in a better place, you can come back and be friends. But if you're not in a great place or if they're not in a great place, like you can't try a friendship. It doesn't work. Relationships are supposed to be so simple, but they're not. Oh, no. They're not. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, when you first start dating somebody, it's so, like, blissful and nice. You're like, how could I ever fight with this person? Like, what would we ever fight about? And then you're like, oh, they're the worst. And you realize all of the things that you probably will fight about if you keep on dating because you see all the flaws. At the beginning, you don't see any of that. And it's all roses and great. So, yeah. Well, I feel like next time we should probably talk about the up and down dysfunctional one that I was in. Yeah. We've kind of teed it's it up It's a good one. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's a great one, though. I mean, it wasn't great for you, but. Well, it's a lot of lessons. <laughs> Not great for you. Lots of lessons learned. It was entertaining for you. It'll be entertaining for our audience. Ugh. But Ugh. It, yeah. God. It was rough. Yeah. Everyone on the sidelines felt it too, Heather. We all felt it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Well, I don't want to go off track with that because we'll we'll give that its own spot. But back to Nate the Great. I I was inspired by your story, even though it happened to you. It had nothing to do with me, but I was on the side. Like, here's the good thing about Laura and I. We get to be on each other's sidelines for the love stories and the dates and the bad stuff, which is kind of awesome because it's a little bit having your own cheering squad and also to keep you straight. Because there have been a lot of times I was in bad spots and Laura would be like, no, no. <laughs> you know, where I'm like, oh, he's so great. He's so cute. She'd be like, no, you're cute. You don't need that. You know, and then vice versa with Lauren. I remember with Nate, like, I don't know. I was just really happy that you had that experience because, like, I feel like those real genuine experiences are actually few and far between at times. Um, So I was just really happy that that happened for you. And I learned a lot, too, just from being able to hear about it from the sidelines. Yeah. And I think there are so many reasons that paths cross in life and you don't, you may never know why or how because it is so random, especially through dating apps. It is so random who you end up connecting with. And there are some people that I have connected with where I'm like, I was absolutely supposed to meet you. Maybe not end up with you. Maybe not have it be a big thing. But there are reasons that our paths cross. And I think Nate is one of those people that I absolutely was supposed to have met with. And I think vice versa for him. He had just started dating. It was the first person he met off of Tinder. It was the first person he had really dated since his divorce. And I feel like for him, it was a really positive, genuine, great experience as well. Like we were both really kind and open with each other. So it was good for both of us. We just probably weren't meant to date more than what we did. So it ran its course quickly in a very positive way. So all good things. I think that's beautiful. Makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy too. All right. So that was Nate the Great, which originally aired in September 2021. And now we're going to have a brand new discussion about Nate, which I'm kind of excited about because it's been some time and kind of think my thoughts and feelings have definitely changed since then. Me too. I, I remember I went on a really long walk the other day and I listened to this episode while I was walking my dog. And I had a much different reaction to it than I was expecting. I was like, wow, he actually was not that great. 
that was actually my reaction. And I was like, this would not happen now. I, I don't know. Some of the second chance summer stuff has actually been revelatory for me because I listened to it and like I listened to it with our voices back then from like where we were at that time. And I'm just kind of shocked. Yeah, I definitely had some feelings from that time about it. And I could hear it in my voice like of you know, I, I had a hard time with it. I had a hard time with what a really sweet spark it was because it was. And then that he just kind of ghosted out was really confusing. And even though like, I wasn't necessarily into him romantically at that point, I had a hard time with kind of how things, um, how things ended and in such a weird, abrupt, not really ending way. So it was, it was definitely interesting re-listening to it, but it did remind me that this really was such a nice encounter for me at the time of my life I was in. He was a very, very kind person. He really helped me to value myself more than I had been around that time. Because again, you're in that process of trying to understand what it means to date, how romantic partners view you as a mom with kids, all of those things. I think I'm constantly trying to understand and navigate. And he was just so kind and sweet about everything. And we talk so often about first dates, about how they're awkward and, you know, so they can just first dates can be really, really rough. And often I will find myself wishing I just could cut and run in the middle of the date where I'm like, oh, this is terrible. They're not how I thought they would be, whatever. And this was one of my most favorite first dates, hands down. It was really sweet and lovely and great conversation and a nice person. And I, I, I like that memory of it. Yeah. I mean, I think on reflection, the situation was clearly not right for you. He didn't deserve the pedestal that I think we put him on. But I do remember at that time, I think you were coming off of some bad experiences. And the fact Mm -hmm. that he was so kind and nice and genuine with you, I think that part was really great. Yeah, I needed that. And so, yeah, that that was, I think, very important to me on my journey, as cheesy as that sounds. Like, it definitely was something that I needed. Um, you know, and as, you know, we talked about in the episode, Nate and I had those two really sweet, sweet, lovely dates. And then when it ended, you know, he acknowledged that he didn't have space for more, which I, I kind of could sense, obviously, like he didn't seem to have a lot of bandwidth outside of work. And honestly, like based on his backstory, he probably just wasn't ready to date. And that was at the crux of it. We make time for the things that are important to us. And I don't think he was ready to really make the time. I just didn't understand that (laughs) at that stage of things. Um, But again, we had maintained that friendly text relationship. I'd hear from him periodically and it was really nice and it was really sweet. And then he disappeared. And like I said, I had such a hard time during that when we recorded that episode on that, that he had just completely ghosted. I didn't understand the why behind it. And I really struggled. And again, it was just a friendship which just felt even weirder. I'm like, we were just friends. Like there was nothing more on the table there. And to have them ghost out was really strange. Um, you know, Heather, how do you handle situations like this where you like don't have all of the information? You probably will never have all of the information. Well, this actually makes me think about, cause I have some actual data on this now because of a recent mini relationship I had with a man named Logan. It's who I dated in, 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 as a rebound in the middle of my boyfriend and I breaking up and then getting back together. I dated Logan there <laughs> in the middle, little mini relationship. And at the end, he got really weird and was having some strange behavior. And I didn't have all the information. I called it off. You know, like the fact that I was feeling uncomfortable and that I, I knew something was wrong here, but I didn't know why. I didn't know what it was, was enough for me to call it off and walk away. 
So I think now, now I know that is how I would act, but I know back then it's a lot harder. It's like, you want to know, you want to dissect, you want to fix it. You feel like if you just talk about it, then it'll change. The reality is, as grownups, if someone's acting a certain way, that's just how they're going to act. And really why they're doing it doesn't matter. And I think you and I are strong enough now to like, we don't so much care about the why we just know that they're not treating us right. Like he could have texted you and and been straight with you about mm-hmm. how he was feeling or what he was thinking. And he should have done that. And the fact that he didn't is really wrong, to be honest, in my view. And I think you and I are clear about that now. Whereas back then we're like, oh, he's going through a hard time. It's a dif- difficult time in his life, which it was. He was fresh to dating. You probably shouldn't have been dating at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's interesting to think about too. I think now, and you guys, you and I wouldn't even be mad about it. I wasn't even mad at Logan. I was just like, you're acting weird. This isn't right for me. Bye. You know, and I really, I feel like you would act the same way too, if you were to encounter that situation now. No big deal. This just doesn't work for me. Thank you. Yeah. I felt like for a long time, I really wanted to know the why. I think we left that episode up. Like if you're out there, Nate, blah, blah, like, no, I don't, I don't, the, the why doesn't really matter at the end of it all because people, I think it just speaks so strongly to, you don't really know people. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're struggling with. And I think when people are struggling with a lot of things, it comes out as we know, in really unhealthy ways. And I think for Nate, it was this hitting this point, both in the dating relationship and in the attempted friendship relationship, where I think he would get overwhelmed and then cut and run. And I think that speaks to everything that was going on with him that had nothing to do with me. And all that really matters is this isn't a person I should have ever been dating anyway, even though he's a nice person. There was more to the story that I wasn't going to know. That wasn't my place to ask, or it just, that was his stuff to deal with. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think now, man, I, cause I think back then we just really like dial into, like you wanted to work. You're like, I I feel a connection to them. I, I can see the potential here. And I think as you get healthier and healthier, you stop thinking so much about potential and you start Mm -hmm. thinking about what's actually in front of your face happening. And I think that's a big switch that takes some time to get to. Cause I mean, I I think I did it with everyone I dated the first like solid two years after divorce. I see the potential here. I see we could be so good together. If you're not actually like, if that's not already happening, it's probably not ever going to. And I think it's hard to act that way and to accept that. And it's so hard when, um, you know, you go through endless matches that aren't a good fit. So you absolutely cling on a little bit tighter to one where, you know, we've got things in common and I like how I feel around them and they're a nice person. They've got their life together, whatever those things are that make them appealing, you know, that's one in every 15 matches where you find that or whatever. And so it's, it's hard to just step away from that, even though you can acknowledge, like I knew pretty, you know, at a certain point in trying to date Nate that he clearly did not have the time. It was, you know, if he wasn't available, he was out of pocket on text for a long time. Like I didn't hear from him and it was early days. So it's not like he needed to text me all the time, but it was like, and I'm trying to date you and I'm not really getting much of an effort back. And I don't know how to handle that. Like I, it made me a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't really know how I should be acting in this situation. And then obviously the extra layer with Nate was when the religious information was shared, which that's fine, but that's not really where I'm at. And he broached it over text in a way where it was hard to read the situation. And I was like, I don't even know what's happening here. <laughs> like there were a lot of things now where I'd be like, 
I just don't think like we, we match in the ways that I think are important to you for us to match or for me to match too. Like that's probably not where I'm at. Well, I remember, I think I gave you bad advice back then. Cause I think I remember if I remember correctly, when that came up, I was like, well, maybe it'll be okay. Just kind of see where it goes. And now I'd be like, that's not you. That's not your life. I, this seems like a major incompatibility. I, I would cut, cut your losses and end it and just say, Hey, let's just be friends or this isn't going to work or whatever. Now that's I th- what I would say. I think also when it wasn't brought up casually on a date, like, Oh, by the way, like I read the Bible every day. This is, this is part of my routines, whatever. It was a text of, do you believe in God? Well, I do that. It was the way it was brought out. I was like, I don't know how to interpret this, but like, it probably isn't how one should approach that conversation. Like it was just kind of awkward. But at that time I'm like, cause again, I was just, you know, figuring things out still. And I'm like, well, maybe this is what I needed in my life. Maybe I needed some religion. No. Well, I mean, it does kind of go to that. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like when people say things, well, what are you looking for? They ask a lot of questions instead of saying, this is how Mm -hmm. I feel. This is who I am, you know, and then talking about it. Like sometimes like, it feels a little bit like a trap. It's like, well, why are you asking me about God? Like your interview, it feels like they're, they're vetting whether you're worthy of their attention or whatever, instead of what probably would have been better more casually on a date say, Hey, so something we haven't talked about. My faith is actually really important to me. I, I read the Bible every day. This is something that's important to me. And so I, I wanted to bring it up and talk about it. If you're open to that, that would have been better, you know, instead of these like weird, do you believe in God? It's like, well, why are you asking me that? And do you like, is there, is this a trick question? Are you an atheist or do you, do you know what I mean? Like he's not sharing anything about himself. He's just kind of laying a trap. It feels like. And I was so careful with how I answered it because it was so awkward. And I'm just like, well, I'm probably more spiritual than religion, you know, because I was like, I like if I answer it was the, my mindset, I think was, well, if I answer this wrong, then I'm out of the game here. And I like this person. So I'm going to answer in a way where he's not going to write me off, which is the wrong approach because that's <laughs> not who I am. That's not what you should do. You can be respectful while still being honest when you navigate some of those hard conversations or what I could have done was said, you know what, this feels like a bigger conversation. I'm happy to talk about it when we see each other next, but it feels like that's a lot to talk about over a text exchange, a healthy person. That is what you should say. Like, don't get trapped over text where you can't read tone. You can't see facial expressions to answer some big questions because a, there was a reason I think I was being asked over text. I don't think that was just an oops. Like I do think that there was some intention on his part about why he asked either he was uncomfortable comfortable asking me in person. I think there was something else there that I didn't, I was not working with all of the information. So if I could go back in time, it would have been, you know what, let's table this. You want to plan our next date. I'm happy to talk to you about it in person. That seems like more than I can answer in a three sentence text. And you do that. Like sometimes I feel like people say, well, if I were faced that situation now, this is how I would act. We actually have data on this because now I feel like Tyler brings things up and there have been times where there's something big and you have said, you know, we need to talk about this on the phone or can we talk about this on FaceTime? Why don't we table it? We do need to talk about this. And you've even said we need to talk about this in person. So you do that. Like you're not just saying that like into a void. That is actually what you do now. And I agree. I think you would. I think you'd be like, well, I'm not sure exactly where this conversation is going, but we should definitely talk about it. Let's put it on the agenda for the next time we see each other. And you would do that. Yeah. I'm not down with having really big conversations over text. Um, I think it makes it quite honestly 
it makes you more likely to say things that may I'm not saying wouldn't be true, but it, you can massage the language in a certain way. Like, I think there's just so much value with actual like spoken word communication on big topics and playing off of each other in a way where you're actually having an engaged conversation and text isn't that text is this like perfect capsule of the, the perfect world and the best language and putting all of that forward. And I really don't think that's an actual like real way to build a relationship. Yeah. Well, and sit- conversations like that are an opportunity to connect to the person you're trying to get to know and texting isn't I don't think texting is a great way to connect I think it's a way to like tell jokes do funny things or whatever and like do those like low depth the shallow connection throughout the day so that you're staying in contact with each other to a degree but the big one the big conversations are a way to connect in a deep way with the person you're dating it's better to do that in person. So I, I try to think about that too is what I'm trying to talk about suited to the medium of how we're talking right now. Well, and I think it's also often a cop out for people if they're not comfortable bringing it up, they're likely more comfortable texting about it than they are speaking to it. And I think for an actual real relationship to build and grow, you need to be comfortable with being a little uncomfortable and having those actual conversations verbally, then all right, I'll fire. That's where everyone gets in trouble in life because it's so easy to fire off a text about literally anything because you're not looking the person in the eyes. You don't have to like see their reaction right away. If they text back, you could, you know, put your phone away for a couple hours before you're ready to read the response or have your friend read it. Like it is not the same as an actual real conversation. So people get more, I feel like that's often in relationships I've had too. The first time we've really talked about sex and like, what do you like? And where are you? that's always over text because it's way easier to talk about things like that, that way with someone, you know, new texting about it than to actually have that conversation. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. Now looking back on this and listening to it, cause I actually had some feelings and listening to this. Cause I know it was, it was kind of a moment for you. And it was a, a lot of these dating stories. Laura and I both have emotions about it. No matter <laughs> who did the dating, like Laura's people, I, I have feelings about it. Cause like we go through all these things together. So like I get invested too, and she gets invested and it's kind of, I think it's hilarious. So I've actually had some feelings listening to this episode, looking back on that. And I thought about this too. Is there any part of you? And I know you're very happy with Tyler, but remove Tyler from the equation here. Is there any part of you that wishes things had gone differently and you had either dated Nate for more than a couple dates and had been more of a a relationship or that you had been able to create a friendship, you know, that he hadn't ghosted out? Do you wish you could have stayed in each other's lives after what happened? No. Yeah. I definitely don't think it needed or should have been more than what it was. I think that again, the two dates were very sweet. Um, Again, I know pieces of where Nate was at at that stage of his life. So, but I don't think I have the full picture, but if our encounter had any impact on him, um, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if it really made a difference in his dating life. He was fresh out of dating. Remember I was on that first date and I'm like, how long have you been dating? And he's like 37 minutes or whatever. I mean, it was just like, that was brand new for him. And, um, but I know for me that I got a lot of positive things out of that encounter. And I think that was, that was fine. That's what it needed to be. And I don't think that 
I don't think there wasn't an actual friendship there. I think it's rare for anything like that to turn into a friendship. And when he had ghosted out again, we were going to be, had been friendly texting. I had been in a relationship. And then I think when we were going to get a drink, I was out. I was dating self absorbed Sam. That's right. And then that relationship ended. And then um, Nate and I were supposed to grab a drink, but I didn't have any feelings like it was going to turn into more. I think for me, it was kind of this like, closing the loop on it. Uh, like it would have been nice to sit across from him and be like, how are you doing? And just to like, cause we had these two dates and then there was nothing. And I thought there would have, would be more dates. So it would have been nice to kind of just put a period on the end of that and call it a day. But I don't feel any yearning of like, Ooh, that could have been like a pivotal relationship in my life. I don't see that at all. It's interesting to hear these stories about men that we were like bonkers for. And then now I listen to it. I'm like, Oh no. no. Nope. I have no way. There's no angst. Yeah. Also as sweet as he was, he was so nervous all the time. And that personally is just not very attractive. Like I initially I'm like, Oh, that's sweet. That would get old really fast. And I feel like that kind of would have been his shtick for a while. I'm not saying it was all shtick, but I think there was a little bit of that where like it would have continued. It's like, you're an adult operating in an adult world and you have a high level job. Like he's in pharmaceutical sales, like in a certain way we're like, he's making big corporate presentations. I'm like, you are a legit successful human. Don't act like you're so nervous to like come and open my door. And like, I'm like <laughs> just, there would be a point where I think I would have found that to be very, very unattractive. So it wouldn't have worked for me. Y'all were in different places. He was so fresh. He was too fresh for you to date. Like you still had a long road to walk yourself, but he was way back at ground zero. There is yeah, I think two. there must have been some sort of trauma that happened. I really do think because he took all this time off from dating and then um was so fresh at it, but then just wasn't sure about it. Like I think something happened that I think really made him he had a lot of things I think to figure out and I hope he has like he was a nice person but he he needed to to get it together a little bit more now that you've had a really good amount of time to really think about Mm -hmm. this and process all of this because he did make a big impact on you I know what is your big takeaway now after re-listening I think 100% of just not trying to force something to be more than what it needs to be I think people come and I think I probably said this in the episode so maybe like I'm in I'm, I'm con, uh, consistently wise, um, but I think people do come in and out of your life um, in so many ways for so many different reasons. And instead of, again, trying to force it into something more, even though he was the one who ultimately made the decision that this did not continue as a relationship, I think it was the right amount of time and the right level. And that's what it needed to be. And I have no regrets about those two dates. I think they were very sweet and very fun at a great point in my life for some of that sweetness to happen. Um, And that's, that's all you can hope for sometimes out of a, a, a Tinder match. Yes. I mean, I think that was a good gift coming out of that. You needed to meet someone who kind of restored your faith that there were nice men out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and he did that. So that's great. All it needed to be. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks y'all. Please join us for more second chance summer happening all throughout the summer. And if you want to be listening to brand new episodes, you got to subscribe for the summer. We will come back with a full bodied free season, but for now over the summer, we are only doing full new episodes on subscription at the thirst trap. So subscribe, come back for second chance summer. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. 
Bye. Still thirsty? You can get bonus content by subscribing to The Thirst Trap on Spotify or Apple. Or shop Thirsty Gear at thirstythepodcast.com. And don't forget to share this show with your community. Rate, review, and follow us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you.